PTUK, episode 162, in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Hello and welcome to episode number 162 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the kitchen studio just in about time. Tonight <laughs> is my co-host Matt Smith. Hello everyone, hello. Yes, it's my fault. We're running terribly late. I know, where have you been all day? Well, I, I went, to, well, I like Cambridge, so I've been to Cambridge. Oh, we like Cambridge. Cambridge. Cambridge is nice. Did you go uh, boating? Uh, no, I didn't go bund- bo- boating. boating. Punting. Punting, punting is punting, what I meant. Punting. That, that was nearly that's a terrible yeah, error. Punting. Uh, <laughs> indeed, oh dear. That would, that would have had a shutdown for sure. Oh, no. uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, so I've been in Cambridge all day, having a lovely time, um, but uh, unfortunately the A14 wasn't playing ball on the way home. Oh, yeah. so you got stuck in traffic. I did, yes. You got I stuck did behind. give you a toot as I came. You did, yeah. He, he did actually come, come yeah, past the house and give me a toot with the uh, the coach, the coach horns, which was quite yes, nice. Yes, indeed, yes. yes we, the old air horns. Me and Gemma thoroughly enjoyed that. I bet you did, yeah. You're like, what on earth is that hideous noise? Yeah. So you join <laughs> us then for episode 162. It's the 28th of April. And wow. it's uh, just coming up to half past eight in the evening, so it's a little bit, little bit late starting this evening, uh, just for a change. But uh, we've got loads of people in the chat room this week, as always. Uh, Glenn, we've got Glenn Tyler, we've got Jonathan Warner, uh, Philip Davis, Lane Street, uh, Jennifer's in there, uh, Liz Piper's in the chat room. We've got uh, some lovely chap called Nick Anderson in the chat room. Uh, Richard King, um, scrolling up the list here. Here we go. Uh, oh, I'm in the chat room. That's always good. Tony S. Um, scrolling up, scrolling up, scrolling up. Jonathan, I've mentioned you, Mr. Warner. And Micah, we've got Micah's in the chat room. Tony, yes, and I think, there we go, yes. That's about all I can see in the chat room at the moment. Anyway, we'll let those chat between themselves. Oh, quite right, absolutely. Probably uh, but making we, a lot more sense than you and I. Exactly, <laughs> but we have got uh, two very special guests on the show this evening because, I mean, that's how we do things here. Well, we, we have that's very, how we roll. We have very posh guests mm-hmm. on the show. So uh, joining us uh, this evening all the way from Portland, Maine, it's our main man, Micah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here on episode 162. <laughs> and thanks for joining us. At quite short notice, I will say, Micah. You, you, you were busy, I think you were busy having dinner or something when I messaged you earlier or... Who knows? Who no, knows? I was actually getting the, the car worked on, and oh. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to be here, but it's uh, everything's going just swimmingly. Oh, Excellent. Good. That's good. That's what we like to hear. And we've stolen another guest host uh, yeah. for the show this week. We've stolen him from uh, from APG, so uh, Jeff's uh, going to be in, you know, he's just yeah, going to be gonna lost. It's going to cost more royalties, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's obviously, he's our Airbus man, our Airbus aficionado. Did I mention I really like Airbus, by oh, the way? No, they're you did my, say they're that, now yeah. my favourite air, oh, yeah. air, airplane like ever, only because I've been to the factory, but it's everyone's <laughs> favorite A340 pilot, Captain Nick. Hello, guys. <laughs> Hi, Micah. Uh, great to be on the show. You know, this is overtime for me, so I'm, I'm just loving it. I'm getting an extra for this, getting paid double. Send a bill to Jeff. Yeah. Send a bill to Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, two times zero, I think yeah. that's probably yeah, that's a lot, good, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, d- double time, definitely. Yeah. So uh, what's, uh, what's uh, Captain Nick being sponsored by this evening, beer-wise, then? 
Uh, oh, uh, nine hops. Nine hops Kent Pale Ale. Very nice. We like. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Hold, it, hold it up to the camera for us then, please. Sir. For the benefit that yeah, you choose there we go. And the beer? That. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Indeed, yes. And the beer as well. Family show. Kentish <laughs> Pale Ale. <laughs> there That's you go. Nice. I like it. Absolutely. Very nice. Well, like as, it. We're, as we're on the, on the beer trial then, come on then, Carlos. What have you got in I, front of you I'm here? sitting here with a, with a bottle of Tribute Cornish Pale Ale. Uh, is that St. Austell? And that's my memory. St. Austell here in the UK. It's a very nice ale. That yeah, one. absolutely. M Michael, what is your poison for the... For the uh... It's a lovely glass of Fresca. Fresca tastes like Fresca is. Different. Dynamite different. Uh, right. That was a, that okay. was a mega okay. plug I, there I, for I do, that. I do hope you were on commission there, Mike. Right. Royalties. <laughs> Royalties. It's a commercial from the 1960s. I'm probably the only one in the world that remembers it. We can it. still remember it. Yes, no, fair enough. Absolutely. Anyway, should we do some aviation? Let's do some aviation yeah. news. So we're going to start the show then, as we do each week with a rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Yes, I am. Uh, Micah? I'm ready, on, ready here on the east coast of the US. Good. And Captain Nick, are you ready? I'm ready, sir. Let's uh. go. So the first news story this week is on the foxnews.com website, and it's a story we all know and love. It's been in the news now for the last million years. Oh, have, oh have, has, has an airline had some kind of passenger-related uh, well, problems? It, uh, it oh. could well be. So oh, the, the I, I seem to have missed that somehow. I've been living under a stone. Oh, blimey. <laughs> you don't need to. United, uh, the headline, United Passenger Dragged Off Flight Settles With Airline for Undisclosed Amount. Oh. So the Fox News has learned that Dr. David Deo uh, the man who sorry, was who? forcibly <laughs> removed from his seat and dragged off a United Airlines flight has settled with the carrier for an undisclosed amount. Mm. United spokesman Jonathan Guren sent the following statement to Fox News. Uh, we are pleased to report that uh, United and Dr. Dow have reached an amicable Dale. resolution. <laughs> Daylight come and the wanna go home. Uh, on the uh, the incident, we, just started. we can't go home yet. <laughs> flight three four one one. We uh, look forward to implementing the improvements we have announced, which will put our customers at the centre of everything we do. So on April ninth, if you may remember, you should all remember, Deo boarded an aircraft or the uh, plane at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport, bound for Louisville. Uh, he'd already boarded and was seated when he would the air. Uh, it was told by. Um, the Someone. airline, he'd, he'd have to get out, basically, okay. and make way for some workers who needed to fly for uh, for the airline. So he refused multiple times, at which point officers from the Chicago Department of Aviation forcefully pulled the 69-year-old doctor from his seat and dragged him down the aisle of the aircraft. We've all seen the video. It's been on YouTube. It's been on every news channel in the in the universe. Oh, did something happen? I think I even saw it on Star Trek as well. On it Star was, Trek? Yeah, it was on the... Uh, <laughs> okay. Some kind of historical reference. Enterprise. Yes, um, okay. But, uh, no, I mean, he's had an undisclosed payout, so I wonder, uh, it'd be interesting to find out how much he got off United Airlines. Yeah, I have a feeling we're never going to find out. Micah, you have no. something to add to this. This is one of your favourite stories, isn't it, Micah? Oh, this is a story that is just driving me crazy. And No, we will never find out uh, how much uh, he got, because I'm sure that's part of the agreement. Mm. But uh, I tweeted last night, and I know there'll be many people that don't agree with me, that now that he has, uh, the civil case has been settled, that he needs to be brought on trial criminally in a federal court for disobeying the directions of a flight crew. 
Um, there's more to this story than we yeah, know. Uh, I've read many different things in different places about how uh, he pulled away from the police, which is why he fell, that he fell against a seat armrest and then started banging his head on it. Uh, I, I mean, I've read a number of different things. We'll never know what happened until we find somebody, you know, some actual witnesses mm -hmm. on the plane that may want to testify. But I don't think the police nor the flight crew nor United are totally responsible for this. And this man did violate federal law by not following the directions of the flight crew yeah. while he was on board an aircraft. Yeah. Actually, while we've got Nick on here, being uh, being a captain of a large passenger aircraft, there was another incident um, a few days back as well with a buggy or a pushchair. If you remember, I'm sure you guys have seen the uh, the story on the news. Oh yes, I've seen the piece of video. And yeah, there's there, there was an incident with a pushchair or something. There. One of the the uh, cabin crew, I think, were pulling the pushchair away from a mother. It, it hit the mother, narrowly missing the baby. And there was a bit of a, uh, a ruckus with um, someone sitting in the sort of the, the front uh, sort of first class section of the aircraft. I think it was just a normal aircraft with no first class, but they, I think they said it was first class. And um, one of the things I noticed, Nick, was on the video. The I think it was either the 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 FO or the captain was kind of just standing there at the the flight deck door, just not really taking much of a you know an active interest in what was going on. Is that you know are, are you told as as the pilots not to kind of interact when something's going on? No, you're uh, definitely not told that. Um, in fact, uh, you know, it's for me, it's one of the captain's duties to make sure that everything that happens on his aircraft um, happens smoothly and is well organised. And if you're dealing with uh, a, you know, a difficult passenger, however, um, it's uh, certainly when we're airborne, you you wouldn't be leaving the flight deck for it. Mm, yeah, but no. when you're on the ground with the doors open, um, and, and the, the reason you wouldn't leave the flight deck is not because you don't think you can handle the situation or you, you don't want to get involved. It's because you're breaking a security regulation. Mm. So uh, once you but on the ground with the doors open, yeah, uh, it's it's fine to go out and uh, help sort things out. After it's one of your jobs to make sure that uh, everyone's happy, that the everything's being conducted safely, and that you get off on time. Um, however, uh, when you just stepped out of the flight deck and you're confronted with a situation that's already inflamed and you don't really know what's going on, it's uh, probably the wrong thing to weigh straight in. You really do want to sit around and try and work out what's happening, preferably speak to the individuals on their own uh, away from the difficult environment, which obviously wasn't possible for him. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought he took a probably compared with what I would have done, he took a very passive role. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I probably would have been in there a little bit more. A little more proactive. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when these situations happen, I got some, it's happened, sorry, I got some advice from an old captain, which was uh, you uh, you get up, you get your jacket on, put your hat on, and come out bearing all the regalia of your authority so no one has any doubt what you are. Mm and uh, what your authority level is and uh, then you step in and go right I've had enough of this I think I want you over here and, and I'll speak to you you go over there and wait until I've got a moment and then you do uh, as a kind of policeman would do you separate people you listen to their stories you get the a whole idea of what's going on and then you deal with it so um, I don't know yeah, I, I probably would have done things slightly differently 
Mm. It just it just shocked me a bit. That's all. When I saw the video, that he kind of just sort of stood there and watched things. Well, it's yeah. a, it's right quite a short video, yeah, and he, yeah. he didn't st stand there. By the end of the video, he'd already taken uh, the angry flight attendant to one side. Mm. So I think he was probably starting to. Ah, write. you you so, sent me that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was a, it was yeah. all a. Well, I don't know. It, it's also, it all seems it, to be happening well, now. I was going to say again, I read on Twitter that there was much more to that story than what we saw. Yeah. And there were many things that happened ahead of time. And apparently uh, this passenger was uh, carrying one baby uh, and had another child with her in, a, in some kind of bassinet or something and then was dragging the stroller behind her and was told that stroller needed to be checked. And then some other things happened that we don't know the whole story about and it did accidentally or came close to hitting her in the head what the the action of that uh, of the flight attendant who you know when you see the video saying you want me you want me and you know totally inappropriate that never should have happened but no. uh, there was an accident with uh, with with the the stroller and there should have been an apology for it, and it should, that should have been the end of it. Uh, Jennifer's just put a, a very good point in the chat room. She's put, she's oh, so tired of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I yeah. think that's fair comment, mm -hmm. isn't it? I think yeah. I, I do wonder. You know, obviously, as as Mike was saying, you know, perhaps you know there are several parties all at blame uh, with a lot of these incidences that we're talking about but i do wonder and i know i know we had we had a long chat myself and mike have had a long chat before now about um fl you know sort of safety uh, briefings and things like that where people have got headphones in and ignoring it and i do think we've sort of people need to sort of be reminded actually that when you are flying on a plane it is a a massive privilege mm. and b oh, yeah. you, you need to be aware of the rules and when you are on that airplane it's almost like martial law do you know what i mean it's like the people who are who are cabin crew etc and and captains and you know they are they are the ones in charge mm. and people need to remember that i think a bit more if i'm if i'm honest certainly very true uh, well let's just bear in mind that paying 15 quid for a ticket to get somewhere in europe is not necessarily a massive privilege any man and his dog can can do it so okay. i think we that 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 those days have long gone no, okay. however uh, i do think um that you know, the passengers would rightly be reminded of the level of authority of the yeah. commander of the aircraft. Absolutely. Um, because uh, they can find themselves, you know, as they often do when they create a ruckus and you end up diverting, they can find themselves facing enormous fines yeah, to cover the cost of a diversion because they've let loose in the middle of a flight and endangered everyone's safety. So the people just need to just bear in mind. Uh, uh, having said that, controlling the millions of people that fly, yeah. these are these are all very rare occurrences. Yeah, I know. It's just it's, it, it's the same old story, though, isn't it? The minority spoiling it for the majority again, isn't it? It's it's people Absolutely. who just aren't aware of. You know, I do feel that people need to just be reminded of the rules of of, of flight. You know, I, I think that should be your new job. My my and new job. The, okay. <laughs> I was going to say there, there's something else, too, in terms of, you know, the captain getting involved and how you might have handled it, Nick, compared to the captain here on the, uh, in this particular incident. Is that, you know, you're a uh, former RAF officer, and you have mm. training and leadership and those kinds of things, where I think ah, we don't get, know get what the, the background of, uh, <laughs> of, of this captain was. Uh, yeah. But if he was civilian, he might not have had that kind of training in terms of how to assume authority and take authority in a situation mm. like that. Well, I would have hoped his company would have given him some guidance, and uh, yeah. certainly uh, you have to be able to lead in the flight deck, even if there's only two of you. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's one of the requirements, really. When you step across to the left seat, you have to show a level of uh, leadership and uh, be able to cope with situations. After all, when we go down for a, 
you know, a trip down to say, uh, you know, somewhere in, in Africa for a few days and come home again. Um, still, uh, my duties don't finish when I shut the engines down. I've got uh, 12, 15 crew mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone is kept safe and secure for the entire time we're there. So, I mean, I'm not the only person doing it. Of course, I've got a first officer and a mm -hmm. uh, flight service manager, uh, and we're all making sure that uh, everyone is uh, being looked after. And considering the fact that we might have some very junior people are part of our crew um quite young who might be you know quite um rarely out of the country before they joined uh, mm. an airline and now they find themselves in all sorts of places where the culture is different the laws are different uh, everything uh, has to be taken into account they have to keep an eye on these folks or make sure they don't you know make a fool of themselves so nev has summed up the uh, the whole situation uh, in the chat room. Oh, this should um, be good. You can always rely on Nev for a... For a, for a so basically, yeah. if anyone kicks off on uh, Nev's flight to Toronto uh, uh, on his way over to Pitts, mm. um, they're going to get a slap. And no mistake. And no Absolutely. mistake. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. I tell you what, if, if, if anybody should kick off on my flight when I'm going out, they're, they're going to get the wrong end <laughs> of a very angry mat if they're not careful, because they're going to be on, right on edge as it is. So it's just like... So moving on. Help it. Oh, to you, the next yeah. story. Okay. Uh, actually, yes. this is especially for you. We're going we're gonna to get you to do this one, Matt, because this is a very, very, uh, very you story. Is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. This and is, it's Ryanair as well. Oh, right. Okay. Story two, obviously. Uh, so this is on Newstalk.com, which I presume is a radio station, but I'm not sure where. And the headline is, uh, Ryanair is looking for brilliant tech brains to work with them. Hmm. Ryanair has transformed the airline industry in Europe. Their model is simple. They offer low fare air travel. This sounds like an advert. Uh, <laughs> in the past, however, they have struggled with their digital and online work. In the last number of years, the company has invested in developing a new mobile app and a redesigned website for customers. Now they're looking to find some of Ireland's brightest new tech minds to work with them. Uh, John Hurley, who is Ryanair's Chief uh, Technology Officer and Head of Ryanair Labs joined Pat Kenny in the News Talk studio this morning wherever that is, uh, to discuss what exactly they're looking for. We're looking for the uh, for ideas uh, that we haven't thought of ourselves. In Ryanair, you're either making us money or saving us money, right? Uh, those who think that they have what it takes to pitch to Ryanair as part of Future Scope, which takes place on the 10th of May at Dublin's Convention Centre, uh, Hurley outlined the briefings of doing so. Ideas are easy. Everybody has them. Converting those ideas into a product takes effort and hard work, which is achievable. But getting Getting those products into the marketplace is near impossible unless you have a huge fund behind you. What Ryanair can offer is a platform on the busiest website in the world. We can offer you a channel to market. Uh, I often joke about Airbnb uh, was the, sorry. I often joke that Airbnb, uh, Airbnb was an overnight success in seven years. If they had Ryanair's platform, it would have been a success in from day one. Oh, I strongly disagree with that. But anyway, uh, Ryanair wants their website to be the one-stop shop for all your travel needs Hurley has a clear idea of what he wants it to look like your journey will go like this wake up check into the Ryanair app take a taxi or bus all booked and arranged for you through the same app when you get uh, to the airport your priority boarding access is sorted you're told where to go and when to go within the airport you uh, can then arrive and the same app does it all for you books your hotels the golf course all through one service so I'm not going to carry on reading that story because frankly I've never read so such a load of drivel in all my entire <laughs> life. I'm so sorry. Ryanair are the last people on planet Earth who should be giving advice about websites. 
Really? They've, 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 they've redesigned and revamped <laughs> their website. It's supposed to be really Yes, nice and it's now. been a huge success when there was a massive sale. What <laughs> story that we read about two or three weeks ago where there was oh, a massive the, uh, sale. The cle- yes, when and they were they, doing their cleaning. They shut it down just the before the sale, you know, long before the sale <laughs> finished so that they didn't sell all these really cheap tickets. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I must admit, of all the people in the world, I wouldn't want to tell me where to go. It would well, be it right there. <laughs> well, I don't know, Nick. I think I think you'd enjoy the challenge, frankly. At my age now, I can do without. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, who's going to take the next story? Who's then? take? Uh, let's. Uh, oh, I don't know. Let's, 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 well, oh, we go. To, we go, Micah. We'll go to the main man. Micah, the main man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, why don't we get on and talk about Jetstar. This is on news.com.au, which is Australia, and Jetstar rejects claims that it's the world's worst airline. Now, wouldn't any world's worst airline (laughs) reject claims it would be the worst? Well, yes, one would hope so, yeah. Low-cost carrier Jetstar has hit back at claims it is the worst airline in the world and said the findings researched by consumer watchdog Choice had no credibility. Yeah, 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 right. (laughs) Data compiled by 11 consumer groups locally, including Choice, was released earlier today. And today is, let me see, is there a date on this? April 28th, 2017 at 9.40 p.m. Uh, Released earlier today uh, after 11,000 passengers who traveled in the past year gave feedback and scored the performance of 73 airlines. The findings showed that Qantas was ranked the best of the national carriers, ranking 36, ahead of rival airline Virgin Australia 51, and Jetstar came in last, 73. Jetstar's spokesman, Luke Enright, criticized how the research was conducted and said it was not a fair indicator of all airlines. Now, I don't, you know, we can go on and on and on and say that, uh, oh, Tiger Air was not included in the survey because the sample size of passengers was too small. Who was it, Steve or Grant, that uh, <laughs> believed that uh, Tiger Air would be considered the worst? And I would imagine both of this them. group <laughs> has flown, as Nick and I were saying earlier, has flown Spirit nor Allegiant here in the U.S. So... <laughs> Anyway. You make it sound like a challenge, Micah. I think it would be a great challenge. We ought to find somebody who really wants to find the worst airlines, find, you know, do a fundraising effort, send them out to all the worst airlines, and then really get a review of them. You should send me. I'm a really nervous passenger. If, if I can, if, <laughs> mind you, you might get quite a nervous. You might get, you might get quite a rubbish review every time anyway because it's just like, I'm, it's already crap. I'm on an airplane. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I, I digress. Carry on. <laughs> no, I think that that's pretty much the story right there. Mm. Yeah. I think we've got it. Customer-rated airlines on a range of criteria, including punctuality, checking in, boarding, treatment by staff, comfort on board, meals, safety, and value for money. Ooh, got to love value for money. Did, did, did Was there safety in there somewhere? <laughs> Safety, no, yeah, meals, no. safety, and oh, safety there you, go. And you, you just you just pass by that one critical word <laughs> so fast. I thought perhaps you'd missed it. Well, you know, because if you fly Allegiant, where they're always you know running out of fuel yeah. or having a problem with an engine, or okay. maybe the chief pilot is flying and forgot that there was a uh, you know oh. a, a warning that not to go to this airport because the Blue Angels were practicing, you know, little things like that. I'm sure that's never happened to Jetstar because they've never kind of come in contact with the Blue Angels. So uh, I, awesome. you know, I, I'm, I'm Sensing uh, some kind of random backstory to uh, to this this particular. Mike has got a, got a nile and he's got a hammer and he's right. Okay, he's on it. Right on as it were, yeah. he is on it like yeah. a car bonnet, yeah. as they say. Uh, so moving on to the next story, okay. Mr. Anderson. This one is for you. Uh, okay, this is the New York Post, and they have uh, found a story which headlines: Airline tells newlywed to pay thousands over last-minute name change. 
So newlyweds are Brenda and uh, Brendan, sorry, uh, Brendan and Julia Widowson. Oh, that's an unfortunate name for someone who's just got married, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah been looking at, they probably had all those jokes in the uh, yeah, best man's. I, I would. I'd be very disappointed. I think the best man would have failed in his duties <laughs> if that. Was exactly right. Anyway, Brendan and Julia have uh, been looking forward to their European honeymoon since they booked it last year. The 28-year-old Australians who tied the knot at Victorian or at a Victorian winery in February were all set to take off on the trip of a lifetime through Croatia, Montenegro and Albania next month. Mm, must have been. If I was going to Europe, I might have picked a different itinerary. But the pair were left <laughs> devastated and bewildered when Virgin Australia, who are they, said they would have to pay more than $8,500 to book their trip, all because Julia took her new husband's surname after the wedding. We thought it would be a simple process, but we may incur a small fee just to update the name on the ticket, said Brendan, uh, a partnerships manager at a loan provider. But when he contacted Virgin Australia Customer Service to change his new wife's reservation from Wallace to Widowson, he was told their only option was to cancel the reservation and a rebook. Also yeah, well, we also told that the availability of flights could not be guaranteed and that if we were to rebook, we would need to do so at the current rate, our 1,321,700 velocity points or $8,590. I'm guessing that's Aussie dollars. Mm. He explained on a recent Facebook page. Furthermore, we were told that we would incur a cancellation fee. What? Difficulty in changing the reservation names was due to the flight being code share with Singapore Airlines, Brendan allegedly was told. The couple, both uh, Monash University graduates, said they were left devastated and helpless <laughs> by the news, <laughs> scrambling to find a solution ahead of their May 14th flight. The pair looked into options, including flying separately, several days apart, or uh, on new <laughs> flights. I honestly can't believe it's come to this, said Julia, an environmental scientist at a global consulting agency. It should not be on the customer to suffer at the expense of the airline because their system cannot do the simplest of tasks. <laughs> when she called the airline's call centre for help, she felt like she was talking to a robot, she said. They show empathy <laughs> for your situation. They're just reading the scripted lines off a screen. Mm -hmm. Of course they are, yes. Because it'll be in a call centre that is not from anywhere near where they actually live. Uh, <laughs> In Bangladesh somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Brenda, <laughs> Brenda said he was shocked and bewildered to learn that a well-known organisation that prides itself on customer service would not have a system in place to accommodate textbook reservation changes like this. Outrageous. I mean, he just goes on, 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 on. Tony's just said in the chat room, he's got a really good point. Wouldn't her passport still be in her maiden name? I think that might well have been mm. the problem. Mm. Ah, yeah, Mariana's may find that. Yeah, Mariana's yeah. use old ID and passport. Yeah, very true. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, they they probably put in uh, her new name, expected new name, did they? Not realizing mm. that she would have a, a, yeah. an old passport. I mean, some of the charges that the airlines charge for changing names are are no, quite no, silly. I, no, I get that. When you, no, I do when you get factor that. in what it takes to change a name on a keyboard. 
No, no, I get that, but mm. it, it's it's all about you making sure that you've got all your facts right before mm. you do. I know, I do, I do get that, but it, as I say, it's just. Have you I, got your rester yet for America? Yes, I have. Oh, yes, good. It's okay. all done. Remain calm. Okay. Have you changed your address on yours? Yes, done it. Oh, very good. Well changed done. Address. Yeah, it's all done. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you got to tell them where you're staying now. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we digress slightly. Uh, <laughs> exactly right. So what happened was Brenda posted it uh, his story on a Facebook page. The airline eventually rebooked rebooked the uh, Melbourne couple on another flight with Etihad, but not without leaving the couple out of pocket. Wilson still had to pay close to £1,000 in taxes due to the difference in taxes between the two airlines, but that's not too bad. But surely they've still but, got the same problem, because it's, it, it's, you know... No, I think they probably booked them in the correct names. Ah, they rebooked them in the correct right. names. Okay. Uh, so the, pa traveler, uh, the pair are travelling together, and they said, uh, it's great that Virgin have solved our problem, However, it's still crazy that the system will cause others to face the same problem in the future. I, I, I have a, a little bit of uh, understanding that they, if they're not regular travellers, it might not have been clear to them, but mm. quite honestly, it's always there in plain black and white when you make a booking. Mm. Use the name that's in your passport. Your passport. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly yeah, agree, right. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like uh, it's not made clear. No. However, it does. Uh, there's an ex explanation here. Uh, so in a statement, uh, Virgin Australia said, due to security reasons, the International Air Transport Authority does not permit any airline to change names on issued airline tickets. So once the airline ticket's been issued, the name must remain the same. If you want to change it, you have to cancel that ticket and buy a new one. So therein lies the problem. Mm. Uh, and the IATA only allows three letters to be changed in the instance of a spelling mistake. Okay. Therefore, in order to change a name, the airline must cancel and rebook. Uh, they uh, said, however, Virgin were happy to have resolved the couple's issue, moving them to an Etihad flight in business class. Oh, right. Exactly <laughs> right. So, um, all, they were, all ends well in the end. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it's just a case of people, I think, who you know made a silly mistake. Whether it's because you get married and you want to put a different name in, or because you know you call someone Fred, not realising that's his second name and he needs yeah. his passport, you've got to use his first name and surname yeah. or whatever the problem is. Just grab the passport, fill it out exactly as it comes in your passport and you won't have any problems, folks. Fair point. But you I heard mean, it here. Like, I mean, I'd like to think go. it was common sense, though, surely, that, you know, the, the name on your passport is your legal document and if you haven't changed it before you go, then... You know, <laughs> I don't know. You're silly. Yeah, it, uh, right. Okay. Good. I'm with you 100%. So, next story is on the standard.co.uk. Standard? standard. The evening standard. The standard.co.uk. <laughs> Excellent. The evening standard at that. It's uh, the headline Qantas uh, airline non stop flights from London to Australia Ooh. go on sale. Now, we covered no, a story yeah. uh, a few weeks back, obviously, about the, uh, the, the huge undertaking that Qantas is going to do flying mm. non stop. Uh, from Australia to London, which is going to be awesome for those of you who don't want to fly, you know, via somewhere. Or I think mm. it's normally Dubai. They go via Dubai. Well, I think it depends on who uh, you're flying with, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, but uh, tickets have gone uh, on sale, and then passengers are now able to make the 9,000-mile journey in a single 17-hour stint. The first time a regular passenger service has directly linked Europe with Australia. Tickets which start at over £1,095 return for economy class went on sale on Thursday night. And the 
uh, flight will start on March the 25th next year. The airline will use its new 787-9 Dreamliner planes which carry 236 passengers to ferry people between London and Perth in Western Australia. Qantas Chief Executive Officer Alan Joyce said when Qantas created the Kangaroo route to London in 1947 it took four days and nine stops. Now it will take just 17 hours from Perth non-stop. The opportunities uh, this opens up are huge. It's great news for travellers because it will make it easy to get to London and it's great news for Western Australia because it will bring jobs and t t uh, tourism. And it's good news for me because Western Australia is where my cousin lives. Ah. So at least it won't take that long to get there, which is quite nice. But um, well, it's good uh, news, that's though. That's a fair penalty to pay for knocking a few hours off your journey, though. Mm. Oh no! Yeah, I know where this is going. Yeah. Well, it's just that you can you can probably get there for six hundred and fifty quid if you go via I know Malaysia, Singapore, yeah. uh, um, UAE, but uh, pay over a grand uh, just to knock a few hours mm. off. That's quite a lot of money. That is. I mean, that just I mean, I'm I'm asking because you know we have access to to a pilot who does a reasonable amount of long haul. Oh, he does. Um, it's um. I mean, what kind of toll does a seventy? I mean, I know you're not doing it on your own, but I mean, what kind of well, toll would a, would a would a you know a seventeen hour flight have on on those that are working? Frankly, uh, oh well, they'll they'll need quite a few uh, breaks, uh, and yeah, it is hard. But once uh, the hardest thing is actually um, once the flight's on nice and quiet, mm. everyone just stands around getting bored. Uh, you know, the crew always say they much prefer to be busy. Um, right. So uh, they will get a good break. They'll get a chance to uh, get into their crew rest areas and sleep, right. uh, and that'll uh, refresh them and make it work. But seventeen hours is not unheard of by any means. Because there is, um, you know, because there's strict rules about how how long everybody's allowed to work and or fly, isn't there? Mm. And and, and yeah. they're they're actually a lot less than me, as I, I know cabin can do it crew can only do them they, they can do a, they have sorry they are obliged to do a much shorter shift than i am as a coach driver uh, say that again uh well i i'm only i'm only allowed to do a maximum of 15 hours uh, oh so you do a, a lot shorter yes of course i mean yeah. uh pilots we can work um in some circumstances up to 21 hours oh wow but you have to augment uh that duty period by taking breaks, right. so uh, you you can only increase it up to that level when mm. uh, you've got a sufficiently large break uh, yeah. in the middle where you're actually uh, able to get away from the the work environment, go lie down, uh, get good quality of rest, etc. Before it, I get... it does take, well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the passengers will feel pretty ropey at the end of that um, yeah. because you know it's just not nice being confined in an aluminium tube, sucking no. on air that's uh, as dry as a desert. Uh, <laughs> well, for a couple of things. I was going to ask you a question. First, it's a 787, so uh, the air is not going to be quite that dry, and the <laughs> pressure will be a little higher than normal. But uh, not that you know the A350 would do the same thing. But if Acme Red were flying that flight, 17-hour flight, how many pilots would you have on board? Uh, 17 hours would. We don't do that now. We probably have four, so you probably have two crews. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, no point in having more than that because uh, you know there's. You, 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 only, you only need to spell the crew that are going to do the takeoff and landing. Right. They're the guys you need to increase their duty time, and the uh, relief crew are there to 
just do the middle bit Overseat, of the flight yeah, to give them overseat. a break. I should just say, actually, as a coach driver, I can only do a 15-hour shift if I've had an uninterrupted three-hour break at some point during that 15 mm. hours before lorry drivers and bus drivers start riding to me and being really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, of course, uh, to get the maximum, you need to set off uh, in, at a good um, time of the day. So yeah. that, Because, for example, if you set off in the worst time of the day uh, for your uh, circadian rhythm, mm. then your duty period is going to be a lot lower. So you need time all, all sorts of things have to be carefully calculated to get a duty time that goes that long i was reading an article earlier on the week uh, nick about the uh, the areas where the crew get to go and have a have a sleep and a break uh, do you have is there one of those areas on the 340 where you can kind of uh, disappear up a sort of mini hidden flight of stairs and go and have a nice uh, bed to lay on oh absolutely the cabin crew have got a little area in the cargo hold uh, with the dogs and the cats and things. <laughs> no, um, I'm joking. They uh, have a special module that's fitted into the uh, cargo hold, uh, and it's uh, like a kind of fancy caravan, uh, and it just slides along and locates under a stairway in the center of the aircraft. And uh, they go down there, and each uh, the crew members holds about eight, I think, has a separate little bunk area where they can pull a curtain and uh, they've got a reading light and that kind of stuff. But um, the don't forget 340 is relatively old in comparison. The uh, the new 78 and the 350 have got some very nice, very swish uh, rest areas for the crews. You know, they, they include entertainment systems up there so they can oh, wow, wow. watch a movie if they don't feel like sleeping or... or right. But as long, as long as they're rest, I mean, I, nice. I, I mean, I've had that before. Like, you know, it's just like if you're not tired, but you go and have a lie down anyway because at least you're resting. If you see what I mean, and I suppose it's the same for for crew. You may not necessarily <laughs> sleep, but you know, lying down and, and doing something else, just switching your brain Relaxing. off for a little while is mm. is. Well, the cabin crew just want to get off their feet for a little while yeah. and uh, accelerate, just get away from uh, the lovely passengers who yes. they they love serving. But uh, when you when you're crammed. Uh, all the time being asked, can I have this, can, can you give me that, etc. It never stops. It's so nice to get a break. Yeah. For the pilots, it's just great to be able to shut your eyes for a second because, uh, you know, just to, just to let your mind go blank for a bit rather than sit and have to work all the time. Fair point. So who wants to take the next story? Shall we? Uh, that'd be uh, me, I think. You, do you want to take yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah go on the then, Matt. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, the Russian Aviation Insider. This should be full of absolutely no propaganda whatsoever, <laughs> I am quite sure. <laughs> anyway, the Airbus A321 <laughs> delivered to Northwind Airlines. Or Nordwind, Nord Nordwind. sorry. Nordwind, Nordwind Airlines. My humble apologies. Uh, so an Airbus A321 narrowbody airliner painted in white and sporting registration code VP, or should I, should I sorry, I'll do oh, it properly. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it properly, sorry. Victor Papa, and then there's a hyphen. Uh, do you have to say the hyphen? No, 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 no okay, all right. So Victor... Uh, Victor Papa and here we go. This is really testing me now. Bravo, Bravo Hotel. Nove I know what the phonetic <laughs> alphabet is. So Victor Papa Bravo Hotel November has been ferried to Moscow. Well, that would have taken a very long time. Carry Can't on, they next just word. fly it? Next okay. <laughs> ferried to Moscow's. Oh, you. Sheremento. Sheremento. Pip's probably flown in there a million times. Yeah, absolutely. Sheremento. 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 Okay. Anyway, an airport in Russia. According to open source, the aircraft is intended for Nordwind Airlines. Uh, the airliner was built in 2007 and previously operated by Britain's GB Airways. There was a GB Airways? Yeah, that mean that 
quite old, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, yeah, the airline absolutely. was built in 2000, previously operated by Britain's GB Airways and EasyJet, and also by Sri, Sri Lanka's Mihin. Oh, I'm really sorry I went for this story now. Mihin, Lanka, and Sri Lankan Airlines. The aircraft is part of Nortwind's aggressive fleet expansion strategy. In early April, the carrier announced plans to take a delivery of five A321s and five Boeing 737-800s before the end of the year. One of the Boeings has already arrived and sports the airline's new livery. Uh, on the wide-body sides, plans for 2017 call for deliveries of three A330-200s and three Boeing 777-200ERs. Nordwind currently operates four A321s. The recently delivered aircraft has not entered service uh, with the operator yet, as well as four 737-800s and three 777-200s. The airline's traffic doubled year-on-year in quarter one, uh, quarter, quarter one of 2017 to 373,100 passengers. And uh, if this is actually a Russian news story, I'm sure every single piece of information that is in it is 110% accurate. So GB Airways, this is an offshoot from Matt, you were saying it was um, once operated by GB Airways. I wonder who they were. GB Airways uh, were, were an airline in the United Kingdom and they actually merged uh, and well merged and became part of uh, EasyJet. Mm. Just so you know, there we go. A bit I was just going to say, do you guys think this might have been a bit of a Friday afternoon jet? I mean, it seems to have been owned by four <laughs> different airlines people, in yes. ten years. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they all keep wanting to get rid of it? Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, watch this space then. Perhaps it'll be with a fifth owner before we know it. Uh, Perhaps it's low mileage. Low might. <laughs> Somebody winded the clock back. Oh, dear. So the next story then, uh, Nick, I think this is a good one. I think you'll take this one, Nick. You'll enjoy this oh one. Oh, my God. Cocaine <laughs> trousers worn by airline passengers as what? US officials say they confiscate 10 kilos of narcotics. This is the Telegraph uh, that produced this story. Um, two passengers were found with cocaine strapped to their legs, according to Customs and Border Protection Officers at JFK Airport, New York. This discovery came when two men tried to bring more than 10 kilos of cocaine into the United States on April the 19th, officers said. Both men allegedly had the drugs in packets fastened to their legs I wonder what happened to their hairs when they ripped them off. Um, to uh, faster the legs to be smoothly concealed under trousers, and one had it strapped to his back. The men were travelling on the same flight from the Dominican Republic. Oh, no, <laughs> no surprises there then. <laughs> I don't but know it's clear yeah. <laughs> when they knew each other. What they had designed, devised the same way of smuggling cocaine that we didn't know each other. Mm. U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers in New York arrested not one but two travelers arriving on the same flight attempting to transport illegal drugs into the United States. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection said in a statement, officials estimated the narcotics concealed by the two men had a total, total street value of... Well, it's not very much, is it? Only $380,000. Doesn't seem like worth right, the effort, really, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? really? <laughs> £290,000. Jeez, that's not very much at all. Latest seizure demonstrated by our CBP officers uh, being ever vigilant in protecting <laughs> the United States from the distribution of these illicit drugs, said Leon Hayward, acting director of CBP's New York Field Operations. 
Police did not say what prompted them to search the men, but both were taken to private rooms where they mm. were searched and the contents of the packages strapped to their persons were identified as cocaine. They were turned over to Homeland Security Investigations. Oh, no! And now face <laughs> federal narcotic smuggling charges. This appears to be the latest in a series of similar attempts to smuggle drugs into the U.S. This method of attempting to smuggle has become so common the CBP officers in New York have started calling the incidents deja vu all over again. Now, while so funny, aren't they? <laughs> while you've been reading that story, Nick, I have been sharing with our YouTube audience the pictures. Uh, the pictures. Yeah. Uh, now, the last one that is currently on our screen at the moment uh, involves a red shirt that the gentleman is wearing and some red something yeah. or other. And now, surely the way his, he was walking was a massive clue as to something not being quite right. Because he's, he's gaffer taped. That, that is gaffer tape I see in front of me, is it not? Uh, yeah. And although one knee has got a gap... Uh, Richard King has put in the chat room that he looks like the Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Yes, that is excellent. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I mean, it's but even with the hands, isn't it? I mean, sure. I mean, people are just weird, aren't they? Uh, I don't get it. I mean, apart from being incredibly uncomfortably hot, <laughs> yeah, um, peeling that duct tape oh off. can you imagine yeah oh <laughs> it's gonna make you know me. what really bothers me about that too you know you can see that duct tape do you know how many ducks they have to kill just to make one roll of that tape? <laughs> oh, God. really Micah, i'm very disappointed <laughs> that's worthy of one of those i think that is worthy of one of those yeah i'll give you that yeah, oh, well, i mean that is, that is a fascinating that is a fascinating story um i'm sure it was more comfortable than swallowing the damn stuff <laughs> mm. well or having yeah. it introduced it, into other orifices yes i was going to say the swallowing of it i don't think it's as bad as um the latter part uh, indeed exactly. uh, it's it, yes the retrieving afterwards shall we say anyway moving on before moving on. somebody uh, uh micah if you wouldn't mind taking the next story oh this is this and is... speaking of being sick to your stomach oh here we go this story is amazing airline food in london pop-up restaurant what a, tr a trendy <laughs> pop-up restaurant is serving only airline food from air new zealand right now glenn's gonna have to tell us whether this is a place that you guys should be going or not right okay because <laughs> it says the temporary eatery in london soho opened on monday after it was, it was revealed a quarter of brits think airplane food is worse than school dinners and hospital food the daily mail reported well then it's got to be true a fifth of people believe bad cuisine is the worst thing about flying well, then they haven't flown Allegiant. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> and more than half don't like the food served on planes. The menu on offer at the pop-up, uh, This Is How We Fly, was devised by Kiwi chef and restaurateur Peter Gordon to show off Air New Zealand's fare. The airline opened the temporary restaurant and also commissioned the research of a thousand UK adults who have flown long haul. Gordon said, when you're sitting on an airplane, you want food with fresh ingredients and a great texture that's going to awaken your taste buds and really excite you. Hmm. The food served on board Air New Zealand uses the finest fresh ingredients that are simply bursting with flavor. Right. Nearly <laughs> half of British flyers said they would enjoy airline food if it was made from fresh ingredients, while almost a quarter would like to see the range of cuisines offered. Um, and around a fifth said that a menu put together by a top chef would make airplane food more appealing. I... Do we need to go on with this? No, not really. No, no. I think <laughs> I just, just, I just yeah. find it. I, I just find it amusing that they're, they're, yeah, that the, someone's actually thought of having a restaurant that serves airline food on uh, when you're not on an airline, not in the air, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, well, it's it's only a top pop up restaurant, so it like 
It's there for a, just for publicity, really, and then it disappears again. It might, it's, it's, it's a good bit of publicity, I suppose, if you're going to, you know. And also, a lot of this may also be uh, something to do with, with uh, shall we say, my, my ample stature. Um, but uh, on my memories of, of, of airline food have always been feeling very hungry afterwards still because there's never really quite enough. I must say, <laughs> I, I, t- I tell you what, I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed my um, my afternoon tea and my macaroons and, and scones and jam and cream when I flew with uh, with Acme Red. Did you? Uh, yes. Right. Was that nice? It was yeah. lovely, Your yes. afternoon tea. Yeah, it was well, fantastic. You know, I've seen some uh, some shows and reports on airline food, and when they actually do uh, make food for the airlines, they have to season it completely differently because mm. when you're, you know, at altitude yeah. and, 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 and uh, like that, your, your taste buds change and your sense of smell changes, so it needs to have more spice and more salt and, and, and mm. to make it taste just like normal when you're yeah. flying at altitude. So I can't imagine that if they're actually serving this, at uh, you know uh, at, at ground level, that uh, it's going to actually taste very good. I think it's going to taste overly sal- overly salty unless they're doing it differently, and it's not really airline food. Well, and well, of course, the things they do at ground level, they don't have to uh, freeze it up and then mm. stick it on board a, a trolley, sit it, leave it sit there for ten hours, <laughs> and then stick it in a steam oven to warm it up again. Indeed. So uh, that's what you know the kind of average airline food has to go through to be and still be reasonably edible and if it was if it was served freshly to the customers like literally out of you know as it was prepared there and then a you'd need the galley kitchen the size of you know you know a a restaurant kitchen and uh, i mean the food would taste amazing if if you had the facilities to do that but you can't can you i mean exactly yeah, yeah, it's it's got to be practical, and don't forget you you get what you pay for. If you're going to yeah. pay for a, a decent seat, uh, and you're going to get better food, food if you're going to you take are. an economy uh, outfit, and you're going to get what you expect. I just have I just have memories in my head back when I was a child flying on a on a TU one three four A with uh, Aviogenics, which is a which was a um, it was a Yugoslavian airline. Wow. Many moons ago. Wow! And having uh, an and the the food on the on the aircraft at that time. This is going back obviously a long while, as I said. Yeah, indeed. Um, was a bread roll and um, a little packet of butter. Lovely. Sounds delightful. That was it. That was yeah. it. <laughs> wow! And the, I think well, they Matt, just. I- Sorry, I think they must have forgotten to uh, load the main. Yes, something's not quite right there, is it? I mean, this was when I was around about kind of six or seven years old. So it was a few years ago. Okay, but, could um, it be your because it was that long ago? Could it be your memory playing tricks on you? No, no, no. Yeah. I can, I can very, I do, I can still remember even now the the, the uh, wicker basket being handed round with the bread rolls in. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's all you but, got. And that's uh, all we got. A mistake there. Yeah. Mm. Oh. I was going to tell you, Matt, that on the way home uh, from uh, the UK I, on, on United, the airline you're flying over here, I had a lovely uh, vegetable curry. It just tasted really great. So you should be just fine on your way Good. over. I like that. Yeah, but I he's, like in, curry. he's in premium. He'll be getting, you know. Uh, so was I. He'll be in full. Yeah, well, he he'll actually get an Indian he's, restaurant he's, brought he's, to his my, chair. My, yeah, my, <laughs> that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah you seem to have this, and you everything. seem to have first class and premium economy terribly mixed up oh. there. Anyway, we're going to move story. on to the next story. Carlos, this yes. one is going to go with you, uh, seeing as you because we're saving the last story for Nick because that's especially for Nick. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the next story then is on the New Zealand Herald. Uh, 
www.radiomaria.co.nz. Are we sponsored by them today? And uh, it's kind of an Australian <laughs> field today show. It must be. Uh, so the headline, Cathay Pacific's Betsy Beer is coming to New Zealand flights. So Cathay Pacific's unique craft beer, brewed to taste better at 35,000 feet, is coming to a flight near you. The Hong Kong airline announced today, or yesterday actually, that it plans to introduce its craft brew to flights between Hong Kong and New Zealand, as well as on services to Europe, Canada, the United States, Japan and Tel Aviv. Betsy Beer, named in honour of the airline's first plane, was rolled out in March and April for business and first class passengers travelling between Hong Kong and Britain. Crafted in a partnership with Hong Kong Beer Company, the ingredients include lychee-like fruit, Hong Kong honey, and the, the inclusion of dragon eye fruit is a unique characteristic of the beverage. Known for its aromatic properties, the fruit adds to the round, rich and textural properties that make the beer distinctive, the airline has said. Uh, it's going to be served uh, to first and business class passengers on all flights from Hong Kong to Europe uh, except the United Kingdom. Oh. Sounds about right. Yep. In May and June, <laughs> on services from uh, Canada and the United States during July and August on flights from Japan between September and October. However, passengers on flights to and from New Zealand will have to wait until November and December to try Betsy. It will also be introduced onto flights to Tel Aviv at this time. Betsy Beer will also be available, to, uh, available at ground level at the airline's lounges in Hong Kong as well as select a number of restaurants in Hong Kong. The flavour was enhanced further for the limited release beer by the inclusion of a small component of the new territories. Sourced honey and fugal, a hop and a mainstay of traditional British craft ales. Betsy's namesake was a Douglas DC-3 which flew passengers around the region in the 1940s and 1950s. Mm. There we go for all the beer drinkers. With a few yes. of us here, yeah, there uh, are one or two. Yeah, one or yeah, two. I must admit. You know, I have a feeling I heard this story on another uh, podcast about a month ago. But don't don't let that worry you. Do you? No, <laughs> this is definitely dated. It's probably one of those podcasts nobody listens to anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. one that's <laughs> the top of the alphabet, so no one goes there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, next, I'm, we were just oh. discussing how things taste differently at altitude. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm a bit surprised they're serving this on the ground and then expecting it to taste good both there and at 35,000 feet. So does it really make that much that difference, work? though? It's a beer. No, no, no. I mean, but the, the, <laughs> I this whole ta the whole taste buds thing. I mean, do, does it does the the being in the air really make that much difference to the way things taste? It and, makes um, a difference, uh, yeah. however much it is. But I guess probably depends on the individual. There are some super tasters out there will probably notice a significant distance difference. I love right. food. But the, most those. of us, perhaps not. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, okay. Fair enough. Great connoisseur of food. Yeah. I love food on land. Yeah. Oh no. So, uh, you, you only have to look oh. at a picture of me. I'm definitely a food lover. There's no question of that. So uh, next story, anyway, guys. You, you're great oh. beer drinkers. Would you go to uh, Hong Kong to find a nice craft ale? No, I, I'd probably, like, probably not. No. I, I might. We, we're very it lucky. We've. We we're, have lots of very we, nice. Yeah, we are lucky here. Yeah, yeah, we've got lots of very good local breweries. breweries yeah. I mean, there's one literally um, not even a mile and a half away from here in mm. Ersham. Yes, um, that, that that brews an incredible. Their I light, take their Nick light there ale in is summertime. incredible. Absolutely, it's really yeah. really nice. Uh, oh, Woodford's yeah. is another one in Norfolk. That one is is one of my personal favorites because we've got Adnams and things like that. So, actually, no, actually frankly, that, <laughs> that, that, uh, that that one in question there you're speaking about, which is just down the road from us, Matt, is incredibly yeah. expensive.
expensive beer there. I think their their beer is their beer has actually gone up. It's has now, it? Yeah, it's now two pounds fifty a pint. That's outrageous. Mm. That is outrageous. You know, she's in the chat room, but I wouldn't put it past Steph to go to Hong Kong to try a special beer. She's a real jet setter. Steph, and a real Steph beer would lover. run there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Steph would yeah, just and, run and, and set some kind of record yeah. doing it, no doubt. Yeah, she, she'd just run a marathon there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So next story, Mr. Uh, Mr. Micah is all for you. This one. Oh, oh, is this me? Yeah, you can take this one. Okay, well, Boeing petitioned accused <laughs> Bombardier, Bombardier of dumping jets. Boeing has filed a legal petition in the United States accusing Bombardier of dumping C-Series aircraft, alleging that the Canadian firm has sold the jet at, major, at a major loss to build a market share. This doesn't surprise me because, you know, Boeing is trying to sell its old 737s. It hasn't really been changed. That, that fuselage has been the same since the 200. It, what did it just celebrate its 50th birthday? But anyway, let me, let me read more of the story. <laughs> The petition was filed. No more opinion. Let's get back to the facts. The petition was filed with the U.S. Department of Commerce and the U.S. International Trade Commission, says Boeing in a statement. Bombardier, quote, Bombardier has embarked on an aggressive campaign to sell C-Series aircraft to the U.S. market at absurdly low prices, less than $20 million for airplanes that cost $33 million to produce, based on publicly available information, says Boeing. Notably, it's selling the aircraft into the United States at prices that are millions lower than those charged in Canada, the very definition of dumping. It maintains that this represents a threat to Boeing and its supply chain, especially as a Canadian firm boosts production. Substantial government subsidies have enabled Bombardier's predatory pricing of the C-Series, which competes directly with the American-made 737-700 and 737 MAX-7 airplanes, Boeing says. The C-Series has received extensive government support, totaling more than $3 billion so far. Bombardier launches the program, launched the program in 2005 with hundreds of millions of dollars from Canada, from the Canadian, Quebec, and UK governments. And it has received additional government support every step of the way, including $2.5 billion in 2015 from the government of Quebec. Mm-hmm. Bombardier was quick to issue a statement defending itself and highlighting its credentials in the U.S. economy. Bombardier structures its commercial dealings to ensure compliance with the laws and regulations of its jurisdictions in which we operate, including those issues raised by Boeing, says the Canadian company. Bombardier is deeply invested in the U.S. economy with about 7,000 employees and dozens of facilities in both rail and aerospace across 17 states. Bombardier spends about $3 billion uh, annually with U.S. suppliers across 48 states, generating U.S. jobs. Boeing's petition follows Brazil's move in late 2016 to open world trade, a World Trade Organization case against Canada over claims of improper financial assistance to Bombardier. Brazil's appeal to the WTO came 20 years after Canada launched a trade war with Brazil over subsidies to Embraer. This is just a big pissing match. That's what this is. You said kissing. He said kissing. Did he? Oh, that's yes, right. Yes, he then. said okay, kissing. That's fine. Um, you know, kissing. Of course. Okay, yes. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Brazil countersued over subsidies to, by Canada to Bombardier, and the case dragged on for five years. Ultimately, the WTO found that both companies had received improper subsidies. And that's the end of the argument. <laughs> and, and I've got a funny colour. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, sorry. I, it's been driving me absolutely nuts. I have to get it out. I have to say it. Bombardier. That's better. That's oh, fine. I'm all right no, now. It's fine. Right I, can, now. I can relax now. Oh. <laughs> he's been he's been bursting. I have. The seams, I just, to say it's, that it's, it's being far too sensible all the way through. I'm sorry. Yeah, actually, I think you said this a few episodes well, a few episodes ago. Then Matt, that that we always we always hear about Boeing and Airbus and Boeing yep. and Airbus and Boeing. And yeah. You never hear about the other kind of aircraft, aircraft yeah. manufacturers such as Bombardier. Bom- 
and Bombardier, uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah. So that, that, I mean, they haven't got a, they haven't got a chance really against Boeing and Airbus. Bombardier, excellent. Oh, that's our oh, oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm feeling much better. <laughs> so, uh, oh, uh, uh, um, 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 this next story is. Um, oh. uh, who did on the last one? <laughs> uh, Micah did the last you, one. You can you can do this one. Oh, can I? Or oh, shall oh. I? Do you want me to do it? No, you do it. You I'll do it. Or do you want me to do it? No, yeah, yeah, no, because no, the last story is yours, Nick. The last story is yours. Story. I thought this was yeah. the last story. No, 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 no. Next one, next story. Oh, did I miss one? No, next story is on the what's, Wichita what's Eagle. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh, okay. What's going I on? I got it. And the headline uh, for Boeing plane. I've got a Boeing story again. Uh, for Boeing planes, bigger, really? Uh, have, you, have you seen the picture at the beginning of that? What's that? Can you see the pilot, the one that's clawing at the window, going, <laughs> let me out, let me out. Yes, it does very much. Matt will put like, that on yeah. the on the screen for <laughs> you can see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to scratch his way out through the glass. That's that's really unfair. Yes. <laughs> I, I do see. Oh, what, he does look cool. a bit. Like, I think he's waving, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I don't think he's in quite so much distress <laughs> as Nick. He's screaming. <laughs> oh, man. Right. So the headline: <laughs> for Boeing plane bigger really may be better, especially for Wichita. Boeing is looking at two new planes and a decision on one of them could be coming soon that would be uh, be of the benefit to Wichita. Uh, Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg said on the first quarter of 2017 earnings conference call uh, that the company is considering a stretch version of its new 737 MAX 9 which uh, flew for the first time earlier this month. The so-called MAX 10 would be uh, would put Boeing in a better position to compete against Airbus's A321neo which is a better but useless which has a <laughs> maximum seating for 236 passengers compared with the Max 9's 220 passengers. Uh, Muhlenberg said that Boeing uh, had encouraging conversation with its airline customers about making a stretch version of the Max 9. Uh, we see encouraging momentum there, but we still have to work to do uh, work to do there to finish up on the business case. Muhlenberg said, "If we proceed with the Max 10, Muhlenberg said that he doesn't see this as a big needle mover on Boeing's research and development spending. Boeing could have the aircraft to market in 2020 time frame." He added, "It's likely that Spirit Aerosystems would have a big part to play in a Max 10, given that it's Spirit pushed. isn't that Micah's favourite airline <laughs> or drink." <laughs> uh, which manufacts 70% of the 737 structure, including the fuselage. Boeing also is progressing on its examination for a middle-of-the-market aircraft, essentially a, repla a replacement for the 757. Oh, you cannot replace a 757. Uh, that would fill the gap in terms of range and passengers between the larger 737 and the smallest 787. And the story kind of goes on a bit there, but uh, you kind of get the gist there that basically, you know, we we that the Boeing do need to to have something new, bring something new to the table. I think. But you love Boeing. I know I do. You've just said something negative about but your favourite airline. But if they're going to replace second favourite, if they're going to replace, uh, if they're going to replace the seven five seven, it's got to be something really good to replace the seven five because that was. Um, one of yeah, Boeing's, they should replace all Boeings with an Airbus. Aircraft. That's no, what they should no, do. No, no, no that no, is what no, they should no, do, no, definitely. No, no, definitely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean, shut up? You can't tell me to shut up. That's a bit rude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you see, here we go again. <laughs> Owen, I actually hate you. I actually hate you. Right, so we're gonna we are gonna leave the last story. This is a special treat um, for Captain Nick. This last beautiful story.
I'm really confused what's going on here. Well, I'd love to read this, uh, except, of course, the story peters out after about five lines because uh, I don't... Uh, it says you've got to have a subscription yeah. to access oh, it. Oh, no! So. Have you done it to, yeah. you done it to us again, Carlos? Well, we can, you can read the, the uh, headline and a, and I, a few I bits of it. I can read the there. headline. Uh, Airbus <laughs> continues to struggle with ramps up. Or is that ramp-ups? Or, uh, yeah, with ramp-ups. So that's a bit odd, isn't it? From Frankfurt, and it's an aviation week. Oh, as we used to call it in the, avi in the Air Force Aviation Leak. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Frankfurt are ramping up production of the all-important A320neo, and the A350 programs continues to be a major challenge, which is also working to sort out in-service issues with Pratt & Whitney. Well, there you go. Need to buy Rolls-Royce chaps. <laughs> Customers are experiencing a number of in-service issues which need to be resolved, in particular with Pratt & Whitney, Airbus said. You're right, first quarter earnings <laughs> <laughs> statement. The ramp-up will again be backloaded this dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to, need to subscribe to the... Uh, well, to the hmm. What's, what's going on there, because I actually I read an, another article that was on the BBC last night. That we, I don't know if it's in our military section or not, but Airbus is, yeah, they're, they're definitely having some difficulties. But as Nick highlighted, the difficulties that they're having have very little to do with Airbus. It has to do with a Pratt & Whitney geared turbofan engine, mm. which is a new engine that also happens to be on the uh, Bombardier C-Series. And there are some issues with it because it's a brand new engine, it's a brand new technology, and they're developing it. So Airbus is a bit behind the times because Pratt & Whitney has not been able to come through and get this engine working the way that they said it would. It's not an Airbus issue, so I'm defending Nick and his feelings for Airbus. Today. You know, you know who oh, we need. You know who we need on the show for this uh, story, don't you, uh, Micah? Max Flight. Exactly. Ah, yeah. We've never had Max Flight on here. He's a he's a hard man to Is find. He, right, yes, okay. yes, yes. We need someone on the well, inside I, to get him. Micah, you'll be able I, to invite him in person to be on the show. That is in true. Less than two weeks. Excellent. Okay. I, I think we should have Max Headroom on as well. <laughs> oh, I used to so love that. That was Channel 4. I used yeah, to love good. that. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that brings a close to the commercial news segment of the show for this week. Hope you all enjoyed that. And uh, we've got uh, some military news coming up in a bit, but we have had a segment from Pilot Pip sent Ooh, in. Oh, how very exciting. And uh, Pip sent us in a segment today, and it's all about the most amazing airport in the UK. Uh-oh. It's a ball like London Luton Airport. Oh. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say Heathrow. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay. So Luton. if we're already, if you're already, grab Luton. your... Grab Luton. your... Luton yeah. Airport. Luton Luton. Airport. Luton. What, London Luton, which London is nowhere Luton. near London, but anyway. from Paradise. <laughs> you know what? Came from Luton Airport. <laughs> London Luton Airport, which Came is... which from oh, the flight oh, sorry, that's, I pressed the wrong button there. It's uh, London London Luton Airport. You had one it's, job, Carlos. It's, it's, one not job. Far, it's not far from uh, from London Edinburgh Airport, you know. Or London, <laughs> the London Shetland Islands Airport. <laughs> right. It's okay. one of those ones. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit like that. Anyway. So uh, well, why don't we listen to Pilot Pip <laughs> yeah. in three, two, one. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hi everyone, it's Pip here, but not Pilot Pip this week. I'm taking off my pilot hat and putting on my passenger hat. So this is a little segment from Passenger Pip. 
and I want to talk about uh, my favourite airport in the whole world, and that's Luton, London Luton Airport. Now, if you follow me on Twitter and Facebook, you'll see occasionally that I have uh, a few unkind words to say about Luton Airport. Uh, and by and large, it's wholly deserved. But I do feel, and this almost makes me physically sick to say it, I do feel that I need to say something nice about Luton. Because they have, in fact, been kind of getting their act together recently and they've made some major improvements which has made traveling through as a passenger at least slightly more bearable not much but slightly they're heading in the right direction now as you know uh, Luton is my home base or gateway as we call them at safe jets we can choose to be gatewayed or based at any number of uh, European airports I think pretty much anywhere in Europe where there's a major airport we can use as a gateway um, but by and large, I don't actually go in and out of Luton that often as a passenger. Uh, I usually go to some other London airport to pick up an aircraft and start my, my flying tour. Or I'll go to Heathrow and get on a, an airline. But just lately, the last few weeks, for some odd reason, I've actually been in and out of Luton as a passenger with EasyJet uh, quite a number of times, probably four or five times now, uh, not including <laughs> the flight that I got kicked off of the other day. See my last podcast for details. But I've always hated Luton Airport. It's just so many issues that they've got. But here's what they've done recently. Well, one of the big problems is before you even get to the airport, it's the approach road. It used to be constantly, constantly jammed with traffic. And it still is, largely because of the the choke point that they've created with the drop-off point. You have to go through the barriers, and I think the charge is now to drop someone off or around five pounds perhaps which i think is absolutely outrageous five pounds to drop somebody off but you have to go through the barriers and it just creates a choke point and the traffic builds up all the way back down to the motorway so you occasionally at the busy periods get just miles of traffic now they are trying to sort that they're doing a, a major road another major road improvement scheme there they're widening the road so hopefully that will ease the congestion a little bit but once you get inside the airport there was another choke point, which was the old security area. You had to go upstairs in Luton Airport, and you went into a really small security area, where it only had maybe 10 security desks. And the queues used to be massive. If you turned up there on a busy period, Friday morning or a Monday morning, it was absolutely chocker. You'd be waiting for 45 minutes easy in the queue. But they've moved it all downstairs now, and they've put it into a much bigger room it's easily two or three times the size of the old one and it's got way more security desks and it's it's much freer flowing now the last few times i've been there i've had to wait less than 10 minutes to get through security which is great the nonsense you have to go through at security is still the same of course uh, totally inconsistent you've got to have the right type of plastic bags for your liquids uh, you've got to take your computer out of the case whereas some airports you get to leave it in you've got to put your right arm in the air and hop on one leg. It's all totally crazy, but the the bigger security area is great. And then once you get through security, you go upstairs to the departure area. And you have to, like all modern airports it seems now, you have to worm your way through this maze-like walkway that takes you through the duty-free shop. It takes you up and down each aisle. It's like Ikea, it's like walking through Ikea. You have to, you're forced into going up and down every aisle before you get out into the departure area, 
which personally I hate, and I'm sure most people hate it. But I must say, the the way they've got it looking now, it's all very nice up there with nice sparkly marble floors and nice lighting. It's quite a, a pleasant environment, actually, even though you're forced to walk 100 miles through their silly duty-free shop. But unfortunately, that's where the improvements stop because they still got the big problem that they always had in that up in the departure area, the departure lounge, there is just clearly not enough seating capacity, not even close. I don't know how many passengers go through Luton each year, but it's in the many millions. And it doesn't matter what time of day you go there, there is just nowhere to sit. The departure area is absolutely crowded, like a tin of sardines. It's packed to the rafters. There's no room to, to walk. You're constantly barging shoulders with people as you try and make your way through. Now, fortunately, I get to use the, the lounge, the uh, exec lounge at Luton, which isn't the best lounge in the world, but it's not the worst. It's pretty okay. It's certainly better than than fighting it out in the departure area. So I can go up, take a left turn up the stairs to the Aspire uh, lounge, which is, you know, it's okay. You can get an orange juice and a bacon sandwich on a busy Friday morning. So I'm not sure what they're going to do about that because they're limited, of course, by the, the physical size of the building. Just not enough room. There's not enough seats by half. And I'm sure Matt knows what I'm talking about. He's been through Luton Airports numerous times with his uh, with his mother. As he said, it's often very difficult for them to um, comfortably navigate their way through that airport. And then, of course, it's about 100 miles to walk to the gates. Uh, it doesn't matter <laughs> what flight you're on. It always seems to be the very furthest gate away from the departure area. So it can be a 15-minute walk almost. Um, you know, And if you're not particularly mobile, I can see that being very difficult. And, of course, for me, that's where the problems really start is when you get down to the gate. The rules regarding when gates close and how they manage passenger boarding uh, seems to me to be total chaos. And I was talking to someone the other day, uh, someone who's very familiar with the processes that go on, and it's very interesting. Uh, apparently, the gate agents who uh, manage the boarding of the EasyJets, uh, the Wizz Airs, and all the others, they're not employed by the airlines, they're third-party operators. And they get paid, these young lasses and, and lads, they get paid per flight that they board. So they're not on a salary so they get paid per flight. So it's in their own interest to board as many flights as they possibly can. And they have, it turns out, I didn't know this before, but they have discretion to close the gate early. So you know on the boards it says, or on your ticket it says, gates, boarding gates close 30 minutes before departure. Now, we all know that's nonsense because the aircraft that you're boarding usually hasn't even arrived 30 minutes before departure. They generally plan on 20 minute turns. So this is the where I came unstuck the other day when I was uh, denied boarding. No stairway. Denied. But apparently, the agents, if the plane's there early or if it's not a particularly full flight, they can close the gate early if they wish so they can move on to the next one. So it does seem to be a little bit inconsistent. And in a week or in the last few weeks where the airlines have been under scrutiny for the way they um, treat passengers and some of the, the rules and regulations regarding boarding and overbooking and all this stuff. It does seem to me that the the cards are stacked fairly heavily in favour of the airlines and you're onto a bit of a hiding if you try and, and argue your case, if you're being kicked off a flight or if you're uh, perhaps a, a bit late for boarding. 
So uh, I've got a feeling things are going to change, actually, in that area. The airlines have been receiving just a little too much bad publicity, and I think they're finally going to get a bit of a kick up the arse and uh, perhaps lay a bit more clarity down in some of these areas. Anyway, this has turned into a bit of a whinge, hasn't it? (laughs) And I started off saying I was going to say nice things about Luton. So, although it's definitely in my top one airport in the world for misery-inducing experiences, uh, they are heading in the right direction. This thing, other airports that drive me around the bend, uh, Paris Charles de Gaulle is one of them, for quite different reasons. It's quite a, a pleasant airport, but it's just too damn big. It's absolutely flipping enormous. They've got about 300 terminals, uh, more runways than you could possibly use, and the whole thing is spread across about 4,000 square miles. It's ridiculous. It's just too damn big. And and there's only one lounge there as well that I can use with my priority passes, the Air Canada Lounge, which um, only seems to be open for a couple of hours in the morning when the Air Canada flights are heading back across the Atlantic. So I often get there in the afternoon with hours to kill and uh, nowhere to sit. And then uh, if you're interested, on the other end of the scale, my favouritest airport to go to is Stockholm Brommer. Because in the little lounge there, actually it's the FBO office, so it's not open to the public. But it's a nice place to hang around because in the lounge there, in the pilot lounge, they have, for our use, they have a freezer full of your favourite ice creams and it's totally free. You can eat as much ice creams as you want. There's Cornettos in there and Mars ice creams and Snickers and Magnums and all sorts. So you can go and stuff your face full of ice cream. They also have, uh, right next to that freezer, a rather splendid grand piano. Nice black, uh, shiny grand piano, which is quite nice to sit down and, and have a little twinkle of the ivories. I play a little bit. I'm not very good. And they've also got, to keep you company, if the ice cream and piano wasn't enough, their resident parrot, uh, whose name I've forgotten, but this is a lovely, great, big, huge green and yellow parrot who wanders around the FBO office talking to people. And it's uh, always a source of much delight when I go there. I can FaceTime home with the kids and they'll spend 10 minutes talking with a parrot while I stuff my face with ice creams. Anyway, in conclusion... Luton Airport, you've got a long way to go, but you're heading in the right direction. And that's the only nice thing I'm ever going to say about you. Until next time, folks, take care, fly safe. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head dot com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash uk on twitter via at uk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening.
long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines? Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> ah, there we go. Thank you for that piece of feedback, Pip. That was very good, and your segment uh, is obviously always welcomed here at the uh, at the studio. And we always love to hear about Luton, especially London Luton. I'm just going to carry on eating my biscuits. Oh, you carry on Do eating we biscuits. Really? I yeah, found London Luton. I know oh, it's it's a lovely. Honestly, I flew back into there from Paris um, in what was it February when I went out there, and it's it was lovely coming through uh, through Luton. It's um, I don't stunning believe. airport to look at. You, you don't agree, then, Nick? <laughs> I, I don't know, mate. It's it's too small and remote for me to work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's London Luton, Nick. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, true. Did, didn't yeah, you okay. didn't you fly not so not so uh, not so long ago, uh, Nick, from uh, London Manchester Airport? <laughs> I suppose I did. Yes, that was uh, an experience as well. There you go. Did you get lost? <laughs> no, he, he uh, had he had a rather no, fun I time. No, I had lots of people tell me where to go. Oh, <laughs> they're like that in Manchester. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <clears throat> anyway, um, before we all get sued. Um, shall we move on? Let's do some military. Yes, we're going to uh, we're going to move on. The chat room has all been sort of talking between themselves in there. Uh, Nev, you should be in bed. He, he's had a very long day, poor Neville. He should be in bed. All right, you've been. All right, you've had a long day. <laughs> Nev's had an incredibly long day. Oh mm. Poor Nev. So we've got uh, we've got a few stories for the military segment then for mm-hmm. you this week. Uh, so if everyone's ready, we're going to kick off with some military news. This week's first news story on the military news segment. Then it's on the uh, military.com website, and the headlines are quite a nice story, pleasant story. This one, and the headline: Black Hawk crew lands at Fort Bragg school to inspire students. Oh, now how come we never got this when I was at school? <laughs> That's because you're really old. Oh, so uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, long before Trevor Ruth put on an army uniform, he saw his first helicopter at a school in Missouri. Uh, Ruth, at the time a youth counselor, saw the UH-60 Black Hawk land as he drove past the school. He pulled over into a parking lot and took the photos. Matt can put these on the screen while I'm doing the story and um, while he's finishes eating his biscuit as well. So more than uh, four years later, now Chief Warrant Officer uh, Ruth had control of his Black Hawk as he eased onto the grass field next to Al Britton Middle School on Fort Bragg. Like his encounter years earlier, Ruth hoped a visit might inspire students' future careers. 
Ruth and other soldiers from the 2nd Assault Helicopter Battalion, 82nd Combat Aviation Brigade's 82nd Airborne Division, landed next to the school on Wednesday as part of a school-wide celebration of flight tied into STEAM, or Science, Technology, Engineering, Art and Mathematics Week, and the month of the military child. Laura Hussein, principal of Old Britain, said... The week's curriculum was designed to get students excited for STEAM fields and show them what the careers are available in those fields. While focusing on the flight, she said students learned about the history of aviation and what makes helicopters stay in the air. Heard from uh, an army aviators and designed gliders. The Black Hawk visit was the uh, culminating event, Hussein said. Uh, they seemed to love it. I guess that means the kids. And she said the students took turns in sitting behind the controls of the helicopter and posing for photos in the back of the uh, machine. Uh, more than one child pleaded with the soldiers to fly them away from the school. I bet that would have been me. Mm. Others asked how they could become pilots themselves or asked what cr a crew chief does. Ruth uh, said he remembered how the helicopter inspired him too. It seemed like one of the coolest jobs I could think of, he said, and made was one of his decisions that he made to become an army pilot. Mm. But not every student was lining up to become a pilot. Trevor Anston, an eighth grader, said he had no interest in becoming a pilot, but he still, stu uh, still uh, thought the visit was cool. His father, Chief Warrant Officer III, Kyle Antonson, was one of the Black Hawk pilots who earlier in the week had visited the school to talk about flying. He explained how it flies and what the tail rotor does, uh, Trevor said, just the basics. Uh, Hussein said the helicopter visit highlights the unique opportunities of uh, schools at Fort Bragg. We can bring the world to them, she said, just having unique resources nearby is great. Yeah, it's definitely... The sort of, you could put the pictures up, didn't you, Matt, while we're did, doing the yeah. story there. And, well, picture, um, I'm afraid. Or picture, yeah, I, yeah. I can tell you why they never landed at your place, uh, Carlos. Because it's too far in the middle of nowhere, I suppose, Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no. uh, at, at Ballstall, they would have just assumed you were trying to make an escape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have you know I've done incredibly well at school. That's why I'm a, um, yeah, a labourer. Well, you did escape. Well done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. I got out of the... Oh, dear. Indeed. Anyway, on to the next story. On to the next story. Uh, this is uh, in the ECNS.CN website, whatever one of those is. And the headline is, Chinese fighter swoops into world market. The Chinese have got a fighter? Apparently so. Orders for dual-seat version of existing jet placed even before maiden flight is the headline. China conducted the maiden flight of its dual-seat FC-1B trainer slash fighter jet. I, I, do, I do like the word slash. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's the FC-1B trainer slash fighter jet on Thursday morning, aiming to seize a bigger share of the global military aircraft market. The event took place at an airport, uh, which I'm not even going to try and pronounce, uh, but it was uh, in China. Uh, aircraft Industry Chengdu. Group. Sorry. Uh, Chengdu. Oh, Ch Chengdu. Chengdu. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now I just look stupid. Thank That's you. Easy. Chengdu, you do. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the maker of the plane. They make it sound so easy, these, these clever words. Anyway, uh, the maker of the plane uh, and a uh, subsidiary of Aviation Industry Corp of China. It was witnessed by AVIC and executives, um, foreign guests and journalists. The FC-1B has, uh, sorry, also known as the JF-17B is the latest variant of the single-seat FC-1 fourth-generation multi-role combat aircraft co-developed by Chengdu Aircraft 
Industry and Pakistan Aeronautical Complex, the leading aviation company in Pakistan. It was designed to meet the requirements of such planes from foreign clients and the international market, according to AVIC. The state-owned aircraft giant said that the aircraft is capable of not only training pilots, but also engaging in aerial combat and striking ground targets. Uh, Yang Ying, who is the general manager of Chinese National Aerotechnology Import and Export Corp, the trade wing of AVIC, said that the FC-1B is one of the best trainer-slash-fighter jets in the international market. It can carry beyond visual-range air-to-air missiles, anti-ship cruise missiles and precision land-attack ammunition. Because of the FC-1's excellent service record and the new plane's good capability and comprehensive price, the FC-1B has received orders from the international market even before the maiden flight, which means our clients have a very high level of confidence in our development and production capacity he said at a news conference in Chengdu after the maiden flight. Uh, Yang Wei, who is the chief designer of the FC-1 family at AVIC, said that the plane had made the flight on Thursday and had been ordered by a foreign buyer, indicating that such aircraft are badly needed in the, ma- in the market. Normally, clients would only accept mass-produced aircraft rather than those used in test flights, he said. He said the FC-1B's design improvements were are not limited to the addition of an extra seat to the single seat FC1. Many changes were required such as the adjustment of the airframe. He said AVIC will continue to upgrade and design new variants of the FC1 family. So the this uh, particular aircraft in question, the uh, the F or the JF17 or FC1, whatever you want to call it. Whatever yes. you want to call it. It <laughs> uh, it was introduced into service in March 2007. Uh, primary user being the Pakistan Air Force. Mm. Uh, if you want to buy one of these, it'll cost you a cool thirty-two million pounds. Right. And uh, just looking at the specs, because uh, obviously our, our one of our guests in here on the show this week obviously used to fly fast jets in a uh, in a former former role. And uh, this uh, this particular jet, Nick, has uh, a maximum speed of Mach one point six. I'm guessing you've probably flown at, at somewhere around about that speed in your uh, in your past. Yeah, yeah, a few times, yeah. You can't do it for very long. You run out of fuel pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. What do you think of this uh, particular jet, Nick, being the uh, being the, fight, the pilot here on the uh, show? Well, I, I will um, judge. Uh, let you judge by the people who are buying it. Uh, Pakistan, well, obviously they're a co-producer. They're thinking that Myanmar, Nigeria and Saudi might be customers. But this one dis- uh, undisclosed uh, customer... Uh, we don't know about so uh, I don't know I don't think it's going to be a major player in the market um, I suppose it's fantastically um, sophisticated it looks like uh, a pretty run-of-the-mill um, sort of cheap ground attack fighter Jonathan um, Jonathan Warner's actually Jonathan Warner put in the uh, put in the chat room that it's uh, it's just another rip-off copy of a of another fighter well that's it's just true. like it's a, it's a flat it's just a flanker rip-off he's put in there but um, Mr. Warner, he's a big fan well, he of the military know. stuff. He he would know if anyone could spot a spot a fake. I'm pretty sure um, Jonathan would. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? I I, I don't know what uh, you know. He's <laughs> put Jonathan's put a uh, bit slow then. Mac 1.6, bit slow. Is, is that well, it, the, the maximum speed claimed by most fighters is rarely achieved by them, so I wouldn't expect it to be an operational speed. So uh, wow. 
The other thing that I've I've heard is that while China can develop uh, and has done pretty well developing airframes and uh, and even avionics, that they have uh, some issues with engine development, and that's been a problem in the development of their uh, fighters for for quite some time. Uh, so uh, we don't. Who knows what's going to happen with this or where it's going to go? But they mm. they don't have quite the engine technology that uh, that uh, we do. And uh, and they've been you know working on uh, importing some of that technology. So we'll see what happens. I would question this. You know the undisclosed uh, country that has purchased them. I would venture to guess, and I'm wondering what you guys think that that might probably be North Korea. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Also, that's a good point. Yes. Never know. Never yeah, know. That never would... know. Yeah, that, that 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 is risky and um, likely all at the same time. <laughs> so uh, that... How about Syria? Oh, oh yeah. another possibility. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, someone we'd rather not have uh, have uh, such capability. Frankly, <laughs> everyone knows. <we've, laughs> everyone knows we've got the best jets here. Anyway. Indeed. Indeed. This is it. I mean, you, you can't you can't base your decision purely on price with these things. I don't think. No. You know, I mean, they're a certain price for a reason, aren't they? And it's a small <laughs> part of it is profiteering, but I dare, I dare Cheap say, and cheerful. Um, you know, that's not that shouldn't really be your main factor when you're buying an aircraft. I don't think. So the last story, uh, Beans, is you're a big fan of air shows, Micah. Yeah, we'll leave the last story. This oh, is a special story I for, thought there were for everyone two in the stories. UK. No, there's not. There's one more left. There's one more left. Yeah, that's. I see, no, I, the 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 one about air shows, and then isn't there another one about the F thirty five? Oh, we have. Yes, uh, yeah, 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 yes we have. Yeah, one, the yeah. breaking news one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So you want me to take this one? Yeah, take yeah. this one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it seems that. Early bird ticket offer for the Royal International Air Tattoo draws to a close because as the Royal International Air Tattoo's early bird ticket offer draws to a close, organizers are predicting that Saturday tickets for the summer event will sell out by next week. Thousands of general admission tickets have already been snapped up for the one of the UK's most eagerly anticipated annual outdoor events, which takes place at RAF Fairford. Did I pronounce that correctly? Well done. On July 14th to the 16th. This year's event will celebrate the 70th anniversary of the U.S. Air Force uh, with the aircraft, including uh, the state-of-the-art F-22 Raptor, the USAF Thunderbirds demonstration team, already confirmed to take part in a flying display. And do you want to have a little aside here? The F-22 Raptor demonstration team and the USAF Thunderbird demonstration team will also be at Wings Over Pittsburgh that we will be seeing in about two weeks. Excellent news. All enclosure tickets for Saturday, July 15th have already sold out, and general admission tickets for Saturday are set to follow suit as the Air Tattoo Early Bird discount ends at midnight on Tuesday, July 2nd. Those still looking to purchase tickets for the air show can take advantage of last-minute early bird offers with a five-pound discount on Friday tickets and an eight-pound discount on Saturday and Sunday tickets. Entry is free for all children under 16 who are accompanied by an adult ticket holder. And I think that's really all we need to go. Oh, you'll be okay, Dude, then, you? Micah. Mm. You'll be you'll I, be okay I, getting in there. What's that? I said you. I said you'll be fine getting in, Micah. You'll be, you, you have to be accompanied by an adult. But yeah. um, <laughs> will you take me there, Carlos? Oh, of course I will. <laughs> <laughs> so the last uh, with the last kind of bit of uh, news that we've got, then we'll uh, we'll leave this one for you, Nick. And uh, this is that kind of the last minute news that we dropped in here at the end. Uh, what's this? Uh, the Defense F-35 news. Thirty-five to fly at Paris Air Show. That's, or that's not. It. It's not. No. Well, there you go. Defense news. No plans for the F-35 to fly at Paris Air Show. Well, that's because they're French. <laughs> Washington. Uh, right. The F-35 <laughs> will sit out the Paris Air Show this June. 
The Joint Programme Office confirmed on Tuesday. Spokesman for the F-35 Joint Programme Office told Defence News that, to his knowledge, that may be limited, but there you go, it's a good get-out clause, <laughs> the US Air Force and US Marine Corps have not been invited to bring the F-35 to the Paris Air Show. Really? Mm. And as such, the JPO is not planning on making the appearance. First news was reported by Aviation Week. The Paris Air Show held at Le Bouget Airport and the Farmer International Air Show held in England are the two largest events of their kind in Europe, held on alternating years. It's up to the host nation to invite participants for flight demonstrations. And such planning normally begins half a year or so in advance. I thought longer than that, mm. but there you go. The Marine Corps' uh, F-35B made its debut appearance at Farnborough last year, and we saw it there. Woo! Yeah, we certainly yes, did, did, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. we did. It was brilliant. While both the B model and the Air Force F-35A flew at the International Air 22, an annual air show in England that precedes Farnborough. The Everton Sorry, the event was a media extravaganza. Flight demonstrations <laughs> generated public interest in the Lockheed Martin manufactured stealth fighter, while top Air Force and Marine Corps officials attending the air tattoo at Farnborough got very drunk. I'm sorry, no, touted the jet's <laughs> capabilities. Well, they did both. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, yes. If they were good Marines, yes. Unlike the United Kingdom, which is an international partner, customer and steadfast supporter, foolish people, of the F-35 <laughs> program, FAST has remained uninterested in the aircraft, investing instead in its indigenous de saint Raphael. <laughs> Although the U.S. government won't be showing off the F-35, Lockheed Martin almost certainly will make the aircraft a focal point of its marketing during Paris Air Show. The company is entrenched in talks with Belgium, Finland, Switzerland and Spain about potential purchases of the aircraft. I think they need to get the damn thing flying properly first, but well, other than that, know. Oh, it's great. <laughs> like I said, we saw it French farm, being right? a bit uh, up your nose, aren't they? <gasps> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, well, they're... You know, based, I was going to say, based on the, the, the issues that we're having with the F-35, they might have been the smartest at this point. <laughs> it didn't crash at Farnborough, so that's got to be good news, surely. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, let's let's not have any crashes at air, air shows for a while, please, no. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it, it was pretty amazing to watch, though, wasn't it? To watch brilliant. it hover like that and yeah, it was. so loud yeah, and, and no, just was. come out of that hover, it's unbelievable. Mm. That was a good. Indeed. That was a good weekend we had. There. It was. It that was a good weekend. Was. So that's the last piece of military news for this mm. week. So uh, we're going to start to wrap up the show now, as it is. God, gone. Ah, ten, ten o'clock at night. It is, I know. It's well I past know. our bedtime. It is very much we've got, so. We've got travelling to do tomorrow. But uh, yes. So before we before we do wrap things up then, uh, so Nick, what uh, how are things with you in the world of uh, flying? Well, uh, a little quieter than I expected. Uh, Acme Red uh, have given me a fairly easy roster for the last few months, so I haven't actually been doing a great deal. Um, I've got one more trip to do uh next week and then when i get back it's uh, me off to wings over pittsburgh so yeah, that's really my month ahead of me 
Uh, I'm, I'm glad. I was glad to hear actually on the. I think it was the last APG when when obviously was it the JPG before might have been when you uh, announced that uh, that your you uh, the, the big boss man had had agreed to let you have the time off to come and yeah. come and see us all at Pittsburgh. So yes, yeah. despite my my uh, my efforts, they managed to put a trip not over the weekend, but on the days I would have to travel home. So <laughs> I couldn't have got out there if unless I managed had managed to get that trip. Uh, uh, s sorted. So Sweet, it has yeah. apparently now been sorted, although I looked at my roster the other day and it still hadn't actually changed. Okay, right. Uh, <laughs> Fingers and toes will cross there. There could be an A340 flying around with no captain. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Just, just an FO there. I, yeah. I thought there would be an A340 sort of di deviating from route and going to Pittsburgh directly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would, have, that would have been a great idea. I yeah, yeah, could absolutely. Have done the you could have, could have done an awesome So where's your trip next week off to? Where is it New York? Uh, I'm off to JFK, actually. Uh, I just thought might might be time for a uh, meet-up. Unless yeah. BH photo are open, in which case I won't have any money. <laughs> no, indeed. Um, more photography indeed. stuff. Right. And Micah, what, uh, what's going on in the world of uh, the main man? I must say that I have had an amazing aviation week this week. On uh, late Saturday night, uh, and today is uh, Friday the, uh, the 28th, so Saturday night I got an email from an Airplane Geeks listener who I'd been corresponding with on and off for the year, and he's a helicopter pilot, and he said, I'm going flying tomorrow. Would you like to come along? And so obviously you said, said no. What? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> really? yeah. Is the Pope so, Catholic? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so I had now. While uh, you may have heard uh, my story about my first flight in a helicopter called Harriet's Helicopter Pilot, that was on uh, air, the Airplane Geeks a uh, few years ago, um, I've never really flown in, in the front seat of one, and this was a little R44 four-seat helicopter, and it was just he and I, and it's so completely different flying in a helicopter. I just never expected it. Um, you know, with an aircraft, with a fixed wing, you take off, you sort of hurtling down the runway and you're expecting to lift off and and you sort of prepare yourself but i was in the helicopter and all of a sudden he lifted the collective and we were in the air and it was a bit unnerving and it also handles very differently because you're sitting there kind of on your pendulum with the rotor being straight and you're kind of a pendulum dangling underneath the rotor so the feel is completely different it was really uh quite an amazing experience and the r44 also has a great big glass canopy so you're like sitting inside a greenhouse i actually got sunburned while inside oh wow <laughs> it, it, it was wonderful and then i asked him if he would hover and we were uh, cruising along at about 80 knots you know it's mm. not very fast and so i'm watching the airspeed and we're slowing down and we're down to 60 and we're down to 50 we're down to 40 and at 30 it felt like we were standing still and actually when at 20 it started to feel like we were going backwards and <laughs> but we weren't. We were just we were still going forward, and finally we were hovering, and it just felt amazing. Wow. It, you know, it's like we're standing still in midair, and it was the most unbelievable experience I've ever had. And I, I was a little nervous, and I actually got a bit um, not airsick, but a bit disoriented in, in 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 the hover and in a few different maneuvers. But I think uh, my mother, who as I talked about in the story loved that his for flight in the helicopter she was in the front seat i think she came down and was flying beside me and just kind of put her hand underneath the helicopter and just held us right there to let us know we were going to be okay oh. so it was just really fun but then there's more as i'm driving back from the flight i'm driving past the airport road here at portland maine international jet port and see the fbo and i see this strange aircraft in there and I'd never seen one before, so I said, okay, I'm just going to stop in, and I walked into the FBO, and I'm the only person in there other than the FBO manager, who's a, a lovely young lady who uh, welcomed me, and I said, I saw this aircraft, I just had to find out what it was, 
and it was a caribou sitting there. <laughs> so she took me around the FBO, and we spoke for a little bit, and took me outside, and I took some photos, and invited me back anytime, which Lovely. was just great. Oh, that's good. So then yesterday, I'm driving down the same road, and I see a flight of five A-10s parked there in front of the FBO. Oh, wow. So I go back inside, and she says, oh, Micah, so nice to see you. <laughs> and she remembered me and welcomed me again, and, and uh, she took me outside, and I got some pictures taken of myself with the A-10s and invited me back for today to interview the pilots if uh, they were available, which unfortunately they weren't. But oh. uh, it was great to see her, and I now have a connection with an FBO and uh, can uh, drop by to visit any time I'm invited. So it was just a great, great week for flying. Fantastic. Tell you the podcast so, Micah, did your pilot sound like this when he was <laughs> talking to you? <laughs> Not at all. We had no. on our headsets and everything was, was just amazing. But what was mm. sort of interesting is there, you know, there's no handholds or anything. There wasn't any grab bars. So I'm strapped in, and the only thing I can do when I'm starting to feel a little, you know, iffy, I just put my hands on my, on my thighs and kind of hold myself because there was nothing, if I, you know, there's nothing to grab onto at all, and I obviously wasn't <laughs> going to touch a, the collective uh, or anything. Uh, no, no, <laughs> indeed. So uh, as we start to wrap things up then, guys, uh, just give, uh, obviously you're, you're actively involved in another, another show, Micah, just give them a little plug, will you please? Well, the Airplane Geeks yeah. will be attending uh, Wings Over Pittsburgh, which we should probably talk about too because that's yes. coming up. But uh, I uh, am a, the, a correspondent uh, at large and uh, for the Airplane Geeks. And uh, the guest this week was, uh, I wasn't on there, but it was Dr. Uh, Ramsey Syker, who's an aviation cybersecurity expert. And it was a great show. I did listen to it. And uh, again, uh, attending Wings Over Pittsburgh from the Airplane Geeks will be the Max Flight himself, aviation historian David Vanderhoof, associate producer Brian Coleman, and I'll be there as well. And we'll be meeting up with you guys from Plane Talking UK and with Captain Nick and the whole crew from Airline Pilot Guy, and we're going to have a multimedia international podcast on Saturday night, May 14th, uh, I believe. Four, yeah, it is May the 14th, yeah, isn't it? Something I think, like yeah. That, yeah. Absolutely. That's going to be uh, going to be fairly. So, so don't forget for those of you who are in the chat room now, the 13th, YouTube, Saturday night, May 13th. 13th. Um, anyone who can make it over, obviously, it's, uh, it's fairly close now uh, to uh, to what to where we are now. But uh, if you're going to get over to Pittsburgh, mm. it's going to be awesome yeah. uh, meeting everyone and meeting everyone there mm. uh, at the show. Obviously, oh, Captain Jeff has just appeared has in he? the chat room. So as as we're talking about Captain uh, Jeff, obviously, uh, Nick, we have bor borrowed you from a marvelous, you. marvelous show for the evening. Perhaps you'd just like to give them go on, give a, a little massive plug, plug as well. Oh, of course, as if Captain Jeff needs a plug. Everybody well, knows. I know, I know, but <laughs> you, but you know. can find us on our website at airlinepilotguide.com. Look for us on Twitter at, uh, at APG Crew. We're on Facebook, Airline Pilot Guy. Um, and uh, we also appear on um, uh, Slack. Uh, get in touch with Hillel, but you best find out from our show how to do that because mm. uh, it's a bit complicated oh, is it um, <laughs> yeah all those media we're all there we're everywhere but, absolutely um, and we do our best to reply to everything and of course we're we're the sort of uh, lead show at uh, Wings Over Pittsburgh very much so yes and uh, we'll be keeping everyone under our wing and hopefully under control and uh, we'll be um, sorting everything out and making sure everyone has a great time so we're really looking forward to that 
Yeah. So as uh, as uh, Micah was uh, saying earlier on, of course, uh, if you can get yourself over to there, that is uh, the Pittsburgh Air Reserve Station is where it's actually uh, being held. And uh, just Google um, Wings Over Pittsburgh 2017 and you'll find what you can see on the screen in front of you right now. Yep, and Matt's been doing loads of experimenting and stuff uh, with these uh, with computers and stuff. You're yep. going to uh, put together, you are never going to put together a, a, a your usual technologically well, marvel standard yeah. of genius. Yes, uh, we've, we've managed for, to develop a very a nice show. little portable system that yeah. will give us all yeah. sorts of very marvellous things. But uh, in case you uh, uh, aren't aware, of course, uh, then you well you are aware because you're listening to us right now. But it is uh, our own show is obviously uh, Plain Talking UK. It is www.plaintalkinguk.com, facebook.com forward slash Plain Talking UK, and of course our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. Pod, uh, email addresses it is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Please, 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 we love to receive your feedback do please do so and we uh, and just one more i was going to say just one more bit about wings over pittsburgh that 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 apg and avgeeks friends meet up and live podcast recording is saturday night may 13th at 7 p.m eastern time at the uh courtyard by Mary, marriott in uh, coropolis 450 charrington parkway in coropolis pennsylvania so if you're going to be around that's the place to be definitely and uh, just uh, before we finish up the show, oh, uh, Matt's got the link on the uh, on the screen. Now, for those in the YouTube uh, room, you can see the picture there of the, the uh, Pittsburgh website there. But uh, yeah, we've uh, sent out another couple of T-shirts this week. Um, and, uh, we uh, yeah, we sent out uh, two. I think I've sent one to uh, Doctor Steph. Oh wow! So hopefully, Doctor Steph will get her T-shirt by um, uh, sort of Christmas. by the time yeah. she she <laughs> retires. Yeah, okay. And also uh, Philip Davis as well. Uh, he uh, he received his T-shirt today, and uh, he sent me a photo as well. So I'm, I'm glad to see the T-shirts are getting to uh, our arriving. UK customers. Yeah, that's good. Uh, they're taking yeah. a little bit longer to get to the US and Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, fair enough. But no, don't forget if you want to get grab yourself one of our T-shirts, take yourself over to our uh, website and there's a there's a link on there that match Matt put on there where you can click on and uh, order via PayPal one of your nice uh, PTUK t-shirts indeed yes www.plaintalkinguk.com forward oh, slash store and Barbara's arrived today as well oh brilliant oh, so good. Barbara's got one as well anyway that's where we have to bring episode number 162 to a close uh, from all of us here in the studio um well, that, that's, that's it. it. That's it. Well, so don't forget, we... look out on Facebook and Twitter for the links to next week's show. Indeed, yeah. It is. Uh, so from all of us here in the studio, it Big is... Big wave. Goodbye. Bye. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.